0: I've got a word for you this morning that I just want to speak, and um, I just felt this word in my heart. You know, this time of year, people are making decisions about their future and making decisions about what they're going to do and what life is going to look like. And and I just felt this morning to speak into that, uh, about where God wants you. Uh, Where God wants you is one of the most important things uh, and questions that you're going to answer In your life. I love what it says in the book of Acts. In times past, God set aside exact times and places where people should dwell. And you know, there's an exact time and place where God wants to position you. And sometimes we think it's random, sometimes we think it's just all over the place, but I truly believe that God places people in certain places for certain seasons and certain times for kingdom purpose. And so we're going to look at that today. One of the most difficult things when you engage in a new sport is actually the understanding of where do you position yourself it's one of the most challenging things in sport where do you position where do you actually stand and uh you know i remember when i went to bible college it was in new south wales and i grew up in south australia and in south australia there was only one sport uh, unless you're a greek or italian you played soccer Sorry, that's just the way it was. When I was a kid, you Greeks and Italians played soccer. And if you weren't, you played AFL. And so I played AFL. So I understood how to, where to stand, how to position myself, where to do it. I went to Bible College, rugby league uh, capital, and people love their rugby league. And they said, look, because you've played AFL, you can play fullback. I was like, oh, okay, great, fantastic. Didn't even know what that was, didn't really know. So we start the first game. And as we start the first game, I have no idea of what I'm doing. Zero, absolutely no idea where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do, and one of the guys on the team picks up after about five minutes, he has no idea what he's doing. So he starts yelling at me, starts screaming at me, hey, back up, come up the line, go back, push back, come on, I need you there. And so he starts yelling the whole game at me, trying to get me in the right position because to be in the right position Normally means that you can have an impact on the game. If you're out of position, it's very unlikely you're going to have the impact that you want to have. And so he began to position me throughout this game. One of the coaches for my daughter, when she was learning basketball, who was the most helpful, at every time out, would take her onto the court and stand her somewhere and say, I want you to stand here when the ball comes down. And then when the ball touches the ring, I want you to turn around and I want you to position yourself here. And without a doubt, his help of positioning her changed her ability to have an impact in the game. And sometimes when we want to have an impact, we think that we have to chase around the ball and find the ball and get the ball and kind of go where it is. Right? One of the greatest players ever... In ice hockey, is a guy called Wayne Gretzky. Someone once asked him, said, Wayne, why are you the greatest hockey player that's ever lived? He said, I'm the greatest hockey player that ever lived for one reason. Most people go to where the ball is. I go to where the ball's going. He understood that, you know, in life, we can sometimes get ourselves out of position because we want to go where we think the action is, not knowing that sometimes the action is moving on. And, you know, this morning, as we come around this thought, of positioning. I want to speak about what your position is. I want to speak about one of the things which I think God wants to communicate to you today as a church. So we're going to pray and we're going to jump in. Father, I thank you for these good people here this morning. I thank you that they're hungry. I thank you that they want to hear your word. I thank you that, Lord, this morning I have a desire to know you and, Lord, be positioned by you. I believe this morning, that, Lord, as I speak, that prophetically you're going to speak into people's lives. You're going to speak into people's hearts, into their spirits. But, Lord, they would have a desire this morning, a desire this morning to ask the question, Lord, where is it that you want me? Not where I want to be, but Lord, where do you want me? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Awesome. If you've got a Bible, why don't you turn to Mark chapter 5. We're going to have, a, hopefully, you come up here. Oh, look at that. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Because I'm sick of rain. Who's sick of rain? Who's like, I'm over rain. So this is the tip of Borneo, a beautiful tropical paradise, which you can all dream about today. So we did that for my background today. So we're going to read this story here. It's found in Mark chapter 5. It says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not Even with chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Listen, the story goes that here's a man they couldn't bind. They couldn't bind him. Very important. The author here, and when he's writing, he wants you to know something that this guy could not be bound, could not be bound by even iron even iron couldn't bind him you know i want to tell you there's sometimes there's things in life that you cannot bind in the natural you cannot bind it a lot of the times people are trying to bind things in the natural, saying, Oh, I, if I just, if I just become more disciplined, if I just try a bit harder, if I just do this or if I just do that, I'll be able to stop that. But sometimes there's battles which are going on in spiritual dimensions, which unless you understand that it's a spiritual battle, you can try the strongest things you want to to bind it up, but you will not be able to bind up spiritual things with natural things. And in this story, we have this man who is, he's got this incredible power and everyone's tried to bind it up, but they can't bind it up. Let me tell you, there's times in life when you're going to have to find things in a spiritual dimension where it's not going to be in the natural. It's not going to be through doing things bad. It's not going to be through uh, more accountability. It's not going to be through trying to solve the problem in your own strength. It's going to actually come from the anointing and the spirit of God. There are some things that sometimes, people are trying to control in life that have got to be thought on a spiritual level. So these people thought, well, we can bind this guy up. We'll use the strongest things we've got. But when they found that the strongest thing they got wasn't strong enough to do it. And let me tell you, sometimes that's what people are doing. We're trying to fight things which are spiritual and we're trying to actually fight them in the natural. And the story goes on. Night and day, listen, night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out, And cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell onto his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice. He shouted at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him. What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now, if you don't understand what Legion is, Legion refers to a uh, roman regiment of six thousand soldiers and so it goes on and it says and he begged jesus again and again not to send them out of the area a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside and the demons begged jesus send us among the pigs allow us to go into them and he gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs the herd about two thousand in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake And were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had told it to the people about the demon-possessed man and told the pigs as well. And the people began to plead with Jesus to leave Their region, listen, says here, they came and they saw the demoniac sitting there clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. If you want to understand uh, how to uh, interpret this properly, because you, you would ask the question, what were they afraid of? He's a man, and he's all of a sudden he's in a right mind. He seems well, and they're kind of. And it says that they're afraid. If you want to understand Mark chapter five, you have to go backwards into Mark chapter four. Mark chapter four will actually help you understand Mark chapter five. It's the setup for Mark chapter five. Is Mark chapter four? It's very important that you read it just a little bit backwards. If you don't understand uh, when when he talks here about fear. In the, the chapter before, we have this story about a storm. And in the storm, the disciples think, we're going to drown. They're scared, they're petrified, they're terrified. And uh, Jesus, as we know, calms a storm. And he asks this question of the disciples. He says, why are you so afraid? Do you not have faith? The opposite of faith is fear. And so when he writes this, Mark is wanting us to see something that when it says here that they were afraid, it means there was just a lack of faith. There was no faith. And wherever there is no faith, there will always be fear. And so in this story, he's writing and he's saying to us, hey, in what's happening here is that these, these people, they had no faith in Jesus. Despite what they saw with their eyes, despite what they knew was happening, despite what was going on, they had no faith to believe in what Jesus was doing. And Jesus was doing mighty miracles. He was doing all kinds of incredible things, but they couldn't actually see what Jesus is doing. The interesting thing is, the interesting thing, Thing which I find in this is here is a man sitting in his right mind. He's been tormenting them, he's been a hassle for them, he's been in a cemetery scaring the heck out of people. Have you ever walked through a cemetery late at night and been scared? This was that guy. He was there, he was scaring freaking everyone out. Every time they walked past, he was there. He was scaring them. He was he was out of control. They couldn't bind him up. Nothing they did was working. And here comes Jesus, solves the problem for them. The interesting thing is this. He's dressed, he's in his right, man. Does any of them say, thank you, Jesus, for solving this problem? Yeah. Thank you, Jesus, that you've solved this problem. This guy wasn't right. He was causing chaos. He was destroying everything. We were scared of him. And now he's sitting here in his right mind. What an incredible thing this is. Do did they, did they say, hey wow this is a great cause for celebration we should all be celebrating what's happening did they ask how it happened no did they did they go on and congratulate the man and say wow it's so good to see you sitting in your right mind again it's fantastic that you're doing well we're so excited we're so happy for you no they didn't do any of that do they seek to understand how it had happened jesus tell us how did this happen no they just asked jesus to leave it's not uncommon years ago in a church we were running here in melbourne uh, we did a outreach and we called it Australian Stories of Hope. We just got people to share their testimonies, put out ads in the local paper, didn't say it was Christian, just said, hey, come along if you want life change and you want to hear some inspiring stories of people that have managed to change their life. And we just had people share their testimonies, just people in the congregation. And uh, people in the, co- in the congregation, uh, we just selected them and they would share their stories. And one night, I had a lady uh, get up and share her story And uh, she had an incredibly tragic story. You know, at the age of 15, her mother was a madame at a brothel. And at the age of 15, she became a prostitute. And uh, she was a prostitute for over 15 years, Uh, became a drug addict out of that as well. And her life was just a total mess. Found Jesus, turned it around, uh, life changed, life absolutely transformed. And at that night, we had a a young man there. And uh, this young man turned up. And uh, came with his mum. His life was a mess. He'd been a heroin addict for a, a lot of years. You know, messed up life. And out of that story, I uh, thought, you know what? There's hope for me. There's hope in Jesus. There is hope in Jesus. And I want to say to you, if you're here today, and your life might be so messed up and you think, I don't know if I can ever solve the problems of my life. And I've burned so many bridges and there's nothing I could do. There's still hope for you in Jesus' name. Jesus, was still hope for you. You can still redeem it. You can still be a trophy of grace for God because God is in the business of transforming people. Don't lose heart. It's never too late. You've never gone too far down the road that you can't come back from or God can't redeem it. So this young guy, David, he comes along, and here he is, and he's been a heroin addict for years. He's had all kinds of stuff happen happen in his life, good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, after a while, he, he begins to come to church. He begins to get involved with Christianity. He begins to change his life, and things start to happen. It's an incredible story. And one day, his dad comes to our church, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, his dad would be so excited, wouldn't he? Wouldn't you be excited if you're a dad? You had a kid and he's, he's off the rails and he's out of control and his life's terrible and everything's gone wrong in his life. And then, you know, he meets Jesus and he's getting his life restored and he's getting right with people and he's rebuilding relationships. Wouldn't you be excited as a dad? Come on, dads, you'd be excited. You'd be like, this is fantastic news. A champion of so this on. The first thing his dad says when he says to me, he says, I can't believe my son's gotten involved with all this Christianity nonsense. I was like shocked said, oh, I wish he'd never gotten involved with any of this stuff. Do you know, I found this in life. But sometimes when Jesus turns up and does an incredible miracle and does incredible things, some people don't want to know anything about it. I don't want to know anything. It's like, get out of here. We're not interested, don't care, not not curious, don't want to know how it's happened. All we want is for you to get lost. All right? So, this is a fairly common thing when Jesus turns up. People actually don't really care about what Jesus is doing. So, we have these eyewitnesses, they see what Jesus is doing and they report what Jesus is doing and then they say, hey, get out of town, go. We don't want you here. We don't want you kind here. And remember, chapter four has set this up. Once again, chapter four has set this up. Jesus, when he was speaking in chapter four, says some incredibly powerful, uh, powerful words. He says, pay attention to what you hear, for to those who have more will be given. And from those that have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. All right. So in Mark chapter four, it's set up again. Hey, you have nothing, and guess what? You reject, and you're going to end up with nothing, but those who have more, even more will be given. So once again, Mark chapter 4 is speaking into this scenario. Now, this is a bit I want to focus on. It's found in verse 18. Are you still with me? Four of you are with me. That's good. Verse 18 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell him the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Funny story this. You know, the people say, Why don't you just go get out of here? And he just grants their request. This guy says, Let me come with you. And Jesus says, No. It's funny, it's like one one group says, go, and he's like, okay, I'll go. And the other one says, I'll come with you, and he says, no, no, you won't. And so, there's this is kind of a funny uh, parallel in this story. This guy has had his life totally restored, totally transformed, and the person responsible is about to leave the boat, uh, leave in a boat, and go and leave him. All right? Now, the interesting thing is, Jesus wasn't a very good marketer. All right? Uh, let me just say this. I'm, I'll be a shameless pastor for one moment. If I was Pastor Jesus and I had just seen this miracle unfold, I'd be like, jump on the boat, buddy, because the good news is we can share this testimony everywhere we go you can come along and share the testimony of what Jesus has done and what I've done and the power of God and you can do this and this will be great come with us come on walk with me come on be with me come on oh, I know none of you think like that I'm just a shameless pastor but I would be thinking along those lines Jesus lost an incredible opportunity to take this guy along and say to him hey come along with me here's the other thing this guy's a willing disciple. He's actually willing. He's saying, I'll come with you. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He doesn't know what the future looks like. He doesn't know anything at all. He says, Jesus, I'll just go with you. Wherever you're going, I'm going to come. Think about that for a second. Man, I would love people like that on my team. Wouldn't you love people like that on your team? People that are like, I don't know where we're going. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what it looks like. But if you're there, I'm just going to come with you. Come on, they're the kinds of people you want on your team. And Jesus says, no, don't come with me. Don't come with me. You are not coming." Come on, that's the kind of people you want. Come on, Jesus, why wouldn't you take him? He's, he's, he's the best guy to take out of anyone. Why wouldn't you pull him in? Interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, Jesus only spent a little bit of time with this man. Just think about this. He spent, at the, at the, most, at the most, six to eight hours. That's it. This man has gone from being crazed, demoniac, cutting himself, weird, scary, transformed by Jesus. And six to eight hours later, he's ready to follow Jesus, go wherever Jesus wants him to go. Jesus, I'll follow you anyway. I'll be with you anyway. I'll go wherever you want. Jesus says, no, don't come with me. What does he say to him? This is an incredibly important thing. He says this, go home to your own people. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. Sometimes we think that if we're going to be used by God, we have to know it all. Oh God, if I, I don't know enough, God, I haven't got enough to say. God, what could I tell people? God, how could I impact the world? God, how could I change people? God, what have I got to give? God, I haven't got talents. God, I haven't got abilities. God, I can't speak like that. God, I'm not this. this I'm not this. Hey, do you understand this? In six to eight hours, Jesus says to this guy, hey, all you have to do is go back and tell what the Lord has done for you. I want to tell you whatever circumstance you find yourself in today, wherever you are today, all you have to do is go back and tell people that the kindness of the Lord is upon you. The kindness of the Lord is to tell him about his mercy, tell him about his grace on your life, tell him about everything that he's done for you. Sometimes we overcomplicate it, thinking we have to know it all and all the theological concepts and ideas and thoughts and have them all clearly articulated in our minds. And Jesus says, no, you don't need any of that. All you need to go back and tell people is how much mercy I've had on your life. Let me tell you this, every single one of us in this room can do that. No matter where you're located, no matter where you go, no matter what church you belong to, no matter what your workplace is, no matter where you are, you can go and just say to people, I don't know everything, I don't know the ins and outs of that, I don't understand theologically everything, but I do know what the Lord has done in me and that's enough to go. Sometimes we overcomplicate it. We think that we have to have it all together before we can go and do something for the Lord. But in this story, it tells us very simply, this man was just transformed. Just go with what you have. Sometimes we can just go, we overcomplicate it. We make it so difficult. We think we have to have all these parameters met before we can go and be used of God. But Jesus just says to this man, go and tell him what the Lord's done for you. That's all you have to do. Go and tell him how much the Lord has done for you. Jesus does an interesting thing in this story. Here's someone willing to follow him, not knowing where he's going, not not knowing what lay in store for him. But Jesus says, no, you're not coming. Jesus turns down an incredibly willing person to follow him. You see, the place that Christians and most Christians wish to be is not always the place that Jesus would have us occupy. Sometimes we're so concerned with where we think we should be going and the position we should end up in and the way life should look like for us we think that we should choose our profession our choices our moves where we end up what it looks like and what actually is going to be best for us do you know so many times we struggle with this lord I, I i think if i'm over here and i think if if i'm positioned here and if you put me here and if i do this and i and, I, and i'm here and, I, and that happens there and, and i get this opportunity and that comes my way lord that's what will be best for me and here is jesus saying to this man who's a willing guy who wants to follow and he's saying hey the place where you think is best for you is perhaps not best for you there was something that jesus was doing in this man's life he could think of nothing better than to follow jesus and it's noble and it's honorable but it's not what he wants because the lord says to him go home to your own people and tell them how much the lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you sometimes with the best intentions we fall into mistakes about our plans, our life, our choices, our moves. How simple is it to remember that this man just spent a few simple hours with Jesus but had enough to go out and change the world? Sometimes we think we need to follow Jesus to unknown places to serve him, but he's sometimes saying to us, just serve me where you are. Serve me where you are. Some of you are in places that the gospel will never reach apart from you. Do you realise that? Do you realise that? Do you know there's people that want not hear the gospel from me? I'm a pastor. Can you, do you know what it's like being a pastor? I'll give, you, I'll give you reality for a moment. This is what it's like. You go to a social function. You're talking to someone. We're all friendly. We're all happy. We all love one another. We're all, all great. And then they say to you, what do you do? And I say, oh, I'm a pastor of a church. And they go, oh, okay, that's nice. All right, I think I'm going to go get some more punch. They don't want to know me. They're not interested in me. They think I'm weird. Sometimes they confess their sins to me. Sometimes they tell me all the things I've done wrong. Sometimes they tell me, look, I've, I've, I used to go to church. I haven't been in church in a long time. I feel like I really should be going back to church because, you know, I know I should be in church, but I've, I've just stopped going. I get this all the time. But some people that I can't reach that you can. There's people in your workplace that I'll never reach It You can. Wherever you go, if you take Jesus and just say, hey, I don't know everything. I can't explain to you sometimes why bad things happen. I can't explain that to you, but I can tell you what Jesus has done in me. I can tell you how he's transformed my life. I can tell you what's actually happened in me. And this is why you've got to understand the importance of where God has placed you. Sometimes we view life as a random thing where we're just kind of walking along and being pushed along by this tide, which kind of just pushes us here and pushes us there. But it's actually the Lord putting us in times and places where we can dwell for kingdom purpose to speak the word of God to reach people that we could never reach. Jesus says the hardest thing of all: go back to your own home. Do you know it's hard going home? It's hard going home, isn't it? You ever been home? Ever been back to the people that really know you? Jesus says, go back home, and as you think about this guy's home, this guy's been a problem. He's been a drama. He's been the guy that everyone's avoided. He's been the guy's people didn't know what to do with. He's a guy who's brought sorrow. He's a guy who's brought anxiety. He's a guy who's brought worry. And Jesus says, I want you to go home and testify to everything that I have done in you. See, this is the thing that Jesus has wanting. He was wanting this man to be a living witness before their eyes of the compassion of Christ. I am very aware of the compassion of Christ over my life. Very aware. Very aware. I know my family background and I know where I could be without Jesus today. I am very aware of the compassion of Christ. Very aware. And this man, as he goes back and he goes to the people that know him, was going to be a witness to the compassion of Jesus, that Jesus can transform people. And some of you people in this room have have stories of the compassion of Jesus How Jesus has changed you from one thing and he's changed you to another. How you used to be like this, but now you're like that. And when you go back into these places, you bear witness to the compassion of Jesus and the work of Jesus to transform people. That's what you're bearing witness to. Verse 20 says this, So the man went away. And began to tell him of Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Why wouldn't you be amazed? Decapolis, if you don't know from Greek words, uh, Deca is 10 and Polos is city. And so 10 cities. And so he goes back into 10 cities. He begins to tell everyone about what Jesus has done in his life, how he's been transformed. Now, listen, this man was just obedient. Sometimes people think knowledge is the sign of maturity. Knowledge is not the sign of maturity. You can know a lot. You can, you can know a heck of a lot. But obedience is a sign of maturity. That's the true sign. It's obedience. And this man was obedient. He took what Jesus has said, didn't take it as a personal rebuke, didn't get all argy-bargy with Jesus like we do. But Jesus, I really wanted to do this. I really wanted to do that. And now you won't let me. You won't let me get on the boat. I'm so upset with you, Jesus. How could you? It would have been better if I was on the boat with you than stuck here with these people oh Jesus, we get whingy, we complain, we get all upset about what Jesus should have done and where he should have positioned us and what he should have changed rather than saying, no, no, I'm just going to be obedient to where he's asked me to be. I want to say to you some of you today, I feel prophetically right now, maybe just close our eyes for a moment, prophetically right now for some of you, you are in positions where you've said, God, why am I here? God, why am I here? You've questioned God. you said, God, why am I here? God, what's the purpose? What's the reason? What's going on? and, And the Lord would say to you this morning that through your obedience, you're going to be blessed. From your obedience, you're going to be blessed because you've heard the word of the Lord and you've obeyed. And the Lord would say to you this morning that there is a blessing that's coming. There's a blessing for obedience. Anywhere in the scripture where you see people that obeyed, there is a blessing that follows. And the Lord would say to you today, you are in the right place. You have not misheard. It's been difficult. It's been hard. There's been times of heartache and frustration. But the Lord would say to you this morning, you are in the right place, in the right season, in the right time. And your obedience will be rewarded in Jesus' name. Amen. So he says to him, stay here. Tell the people how much I've done for you. All right. Sometimes where Jesus has asked you to be positioned is not where you want to be, but it's just simple obedience. Sometimes it's difficult. But we follow on in this story because this story isn't finished yet, because this story keeps going. And so in the book of Mark, all these stories are connected. When you read through the book of Mark, it's really important you read it all together. Why? Because if you read it all together, you'll understand context and understand how he's written a book that he wants to draw things together. So in Mark 7.31, we have this interesting story. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre, went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. Interesting. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. They begged Jesus to place his hand on him. And after he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, and he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said, Be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Dan, if you can come. Thank you. You're a good man, Dan, aren't you? You're a good man. I'll prophesy of you in two minutes, but i'll stay on my message for a second is that all right we have this story about when jesus turns up in the decapolis for 10 cities you see jesus said to this man who was willing who wanted to go who was saying, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I'll do whatever you want. And Jesus says, no, just stay where you are. Go back to the people you know. Bear witness to my name. Speak about what I've done for you. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have everything like theologically correct. You know, Jesus couldn't have downloaded everything to him. He just says, hey, I want you to just go back and bear witness. Talk about the compassion of the Lord. And this man says, cool, I'm going to do that. He walks in obedience, because that's, that's the greatest sign of maturity. It's not knowledge, it's obedience. And he says to himself, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. And so he goes to 10 cities and he begins to tell people, hey, let me tell you my story. Can I tell you my story? John, I'll tell you my story. I used to be demon possessed. I had demons. Like I was crazy. I was out of my mind. I was cutting myself. I was. People were trying to chain me up, and I was so. I was just so out of control. I could break out of it. Everyone was afraid of me. People didn't know what to do with me. But then I met with Jesus, and Jesus transformed my life, and He's, cha- he's changed me. I'm a totally different person. I'm sitting here in my right mind today because of a work of Jesus in my life. And people were like, "Wow, that's amazing. That's crazy." That's just incredible. What a great story. That, well, wow, that's that's really really good. You see what Jesus was doing when he said don't come is he was positioning this man for the breakthrough that he was going to do in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 is a story where Jesus comes into a place and it's ripe, ready for the fruit of the kingdom where miracles begin to break out, where things start to change, where things start to shift. Why? Because someone walked in obedience. Because even though he wanted to be over here, Jesus, put me over here. It's it's really important to come with you on the boat. He says, no, Jesus said, don't get in the boat with me. Stay here and tell them because I have kingdom purpose, kingdom desires, kingdom thoughts, which are going to bring about a greater breakthrough down the road if you just walk in obedience to what I'm calling you to do today. See, this man here, because he walked into obedience and he walked around to 10 towns and he began to speak on Jesus, tell about Jesus. This is what Jesus has done. What happens is in Mark chapter 7, when Jesus turns up, the people are ready and ripe to hear something about the kingdom they're like come on we've heard about you Hey, we remember that story about that guy he was out of control no one could touch him no one could change him hey come on let's bring our sick friend and let's take him to Jesus hey our friend who's out of control let's bring him to Jesus hey why don't we go and hear this Jesus guy I've heard about him before and the Mark chapter 7 happens because in the Mark chapter 5, when someone could have got their nose out of joint, about, oh, I really want to get in the boat, and it's not fair, I'm not in the boat with you, and you've left me here, and I'm just going to go back to those people and tell them that that's not really that important, that's not really that. No, no, because it sets up Mark chapter 7. So we all want the Mark chapter 7s. We all want the Mark chapter 7s and miracles, supernatural power of God. But they happen. Out of the Mark 5s, walking in obedience. Lord, where do you want me? God, what is it you want for me right now? Where are you positioning me? What is it that you see for me? God, And it's not where I want to go. It's not what I want to do. See, you can even say, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Sometimes Jesus isn't asking you to go anywhere. He's just saying, can you just go back to the people that you know? Oh, but Jesus, I'll go overseas. I'll sell everything. I'll do whatever you want. And Jesus says, no, no, just just, just just, settle. Go to the people. Go to your own home. Go to the people that know you. Tell them how much he's had compassion. Sometimes we, we oh, I better be careful what I say. Charles will get upset with me. You've got a good pastor. Charles is a good man. He said, I could preach on whatever I want. I was gonna, you know, talk about who is the Antichrist and I know the exact day of Jesus' return. I was gonna get someone to text him Matt and say that was the title of his message. That would have panicked him, wouldn't it? Don't 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 look, can I just say this? I'm gonna be polite. I'll be polite. The gospel's not just about superstar pastors preaching from pulpits. It's not. It's not. The gospel is about the church taking the message of the compassion and work of Jesus Christ to their local community. That's, that's the power of the church. You're going to reach people I could never reach. You're going to touch people that I could never touch. You've got a testimony. doesn't even have to be much. You don't have to theologically know it all. You don't have to have it all together. You can just go and walk in obedience to what Jesus says. Sometimes we want to go, Lord, I'll go anywhere for you. Jesus is just saying, can you just go back to your own home? To the people that know you, to the people in your world. Just say how much I've done for you. Right now, some of you are wrestling in this. I know this time of year, people start thinking about the future and where they should go and what my life should look like and what should I do and where should I be. Can I, can I just encourage you? I believe God positions, that, but what I said about in the book of Acts, in times past, God set aside exact times and places where men should dwell. I truly believe that scripture. You're not being driven along by random forces. By, it's actually the Lord directing your life. And this morning, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to hand back to Chris in just a moment. But I'm going to pray for you. Why don't you stand this morning? Father, I thank you this morning for your love for people. Lord, you love us so much. And Lord, sometimes you see our enthusiasm, Lord, we'd travel anywhere for you. But Lord, sometimes, in just simple obedience, you're just asking us to take the message of Jesus Christ to those that are close to us, those that are around us, those father in our family, those who are our friends, those who are our work colleagues. And Lord, I thank you, but Lord, just I, I get so encouraged by this story that Lord, we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know it all. We can just share about the compassion of Jesus on our life. And I'm thankful, Lord, for your compassion on my life and the lives of the people here. But Lord, you've had compassion on us. You've revealed yourself. You've shown yourself. Lord, you've shown us what you're like. And I pray today But Father, we would take the message of Jesus to this community. Lord, we wouldn't downplay what we have inside of us because Lord we have the incredible power of the Holy Spirit to bear witness for your name I pray encourage people this week Lord to go and share with their workmates their colleagues their family about the compassion of the Lord upon their life in Jesus name amen